This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, September 28th. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, we talk with James Simpson, an investigative journalist, about the research he has done on Black Lives Matter and how the movement is being used to promote a communist agenda. We also have your letters to the editor and a good news story about how Heritage Action, the grassroots organization of the Heritage Foundation, is backing the blue and rallying all Americans in support of our law enforcement. But before we get to today's show, Rob and I want to tell you about our favorite way to get the news every morning. It's called the Morning Bell, and each weekday, the Daily Signal delivers the top news and commentary directly to your inbox for free. You'll be able to read about the policy debate shaping the agenda, analysis from Heritage Foundation experts, and commentary from leading conservatives like Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, and Walter Williams. It's easy to sign up. Just visit DailySignal.com and click on the Connect button in the top right corner of the page. We'll start sending you the morning bell tomorrow. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. I am joined by James Simpson, an investigative journalist and author of the book, The Red-Green Access, Refugees, Immigration, and the Agenda to Erase America. Mr. Simpson, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Virginia. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So you've done extensive research on Black Lives Matter. You've been researching them for a very long time, long before all the events that have transpired over this summer. And actually, way back in, in 2016, you wrote a really interesting article entitled Reds Exploiting Blacks, the Roots of Black Lives Matter. So let's begin with those roots. What are the roots of Black Lives Matter? Well, Black Lives Matter is actually a subsidiary of an umbrella group called the Freedom Road Socialist Organization now known as Liberation Road. And there is uh, two versions of the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, but this one in particular, it's a descendant of the new communist movement, which is a Maoist movement. They're Maoist communists. And it's very interesting because there's even an article at Heritage talking about how the Black Lives Matter co-founder and a pro-communist China group are partnering up. And there's been a lot of speculation about communist China actually working in the background to, to support what's going on in the streets with Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups. I mean, this is a very malevolent organization its founders, as I'm sure you've seen in the recent video, Alicia Garza and Patrice Cullors both described themselves as trained Marxists. Opal Tometi, the three of them together came up with the Black Lives Matter hashtag. And that was in, in 2013, following the Trayvon Martin thing with George Zimmerman in Florida. And then it really blossomed after Michael Brown was shot in Ferguson, Missouri. But you know, even as far back as then, in those riots in Ferguson, the rioters were trained by Lisa Fithian, who is probably the most prominent anarchist in the United States. And so 
they have always been a radical communist organization. And Nalini's stamp, who came up with the hands up, don't shoot slogan, said what we're really fighting is capitalism because it's not working for us anymore. And so they really, they make it explicit. And the trouble is, you know, we don't get the proper exposure from the media about who these people really are and what their organizational goals are. What we get instead is this phrase that every anybody can get behind. Black Lives Matter, of course. And you can make yourself feel good by allying with that message, putting out a sign and proudly showing how you're not a bigot and a racist, when in fact, you know, our country leads the way in showing how a multicultural society can get along. And despite all the efforts to tear us to pieces by these groups, and that's what their true goal is, we do a very good job of getting along. It's actually an amazing job considering that there are hundreds of different ethnic groups in the United States, hundreds of different cultural uh, backgrounds. And in any other country, any two or three of those could be at war with each other. And in fact, some of them are. But in the United States, because we have a capitalist system and because we have a nation founded on Judeo-Christian values, we've learned how to assimilate and accommodate people. And we are the leaders of the world and the world follows us in trying to figure out how to deal with all of these kinds of issues. So the entire narrative is wrong, but they've never really cared about that. What they care about is it's really a military strategy of divide and conquer that will facilitate these communist organizations overthrowing our country as it is and taking power. And if you know anything about communism, I've studied it for 30 years, you know that they care about nothing except power and wealth for themselves to the exclusion of everyone else. So give me some examples, if you would, of how these communist organizations, this more or less communist mindset is using Black Lives Matter to further their goals, to further their agenda. Well, of course, look in the streets. These groups, first of all, they take false narratives, okay? Yes, there are bad police. Yes, there are racists in our society from all backgrounds, by the way. There are racist blacks, there are racist whites, there are racist Hispanics, there are, you know, but they are not by far in the majority in our nation. In our nation, we all seek to get along and do the best we can. But by deliberately misrepresenting events like the death of George Floyd, they are able to agitate people who have actually basically spent their lives being agitated 
by a leftist infrastructure. You know, the public schools, we are being taught that our nation is racist and incurably racist and sexist and homophobic and every other bad thing. And so you have people coming up with no real knowledge of our form of government and our history and all of our challenges, but all of our victories and how we work together to try to fix these problems. Instead, they're constantly being agitated and provoked to hatred. And that is what we see. And so when you have a situation like George Floyd or the person in Kenosha or Georgia, you have these situations which if you look at the fact that there are millions of arrests by police every single year, you have a handful of circumstances where those arrests go bad for one reason or another, or you may even have a, a, a corrupt policeman or a hateful policeman. You know, they're few and far between, but they do exist. But when you take that out of context and present that as indicative of our society with people who are already primed for rage and given the excuse to rage, uh, then that's what we see happening in the streets. And our media is greatly to blame for that. You know, one thing people don't talk about, uh, there are twice as many whites killed by police every year as there are blacks. And that's despite the facts that blacks commit over half of all the murders in our country, despite the fact that there are twice as many whites killed by blacks as the reverse every year, despite the fact that blacks are responsible for 40% of the violent deaths of police officers killed in the line of duty by criminals. You know, when you take those things into consideration, it's maybe a little bit more understandable why police are walking on pins and needles when it comes to arresting people and are afraid for their own lives. But more to the point, this has been a longstanding strategy of the communists for going all the way back to Vladimir Lenin who said we must write in a language that inspires hate, revulsion, and scorn towards those who disagree with us. And in the 40s, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union sent out memos to the communist parties of the world saying, whenever people oppose you, call them racists, call them anti-Semites, call them fascists, call them anything that already has a bad connotation in the public mind. And if it's repeated often enough, it will become appear to be true. And that's what they have been doing all this time as they have infiltrated into the various institutions of our culture and pushed that narrative. It has become a narrative that many people coming up today, going to college, the millennials, they all believe it's true. And so really all it takes is one or a few small, sad, you know, circumstances. George Floyd was a tragic circumstance, but, but all it takes is something like that to inflame all these passions. 
And people don't even realize, you know, it's not this something that police pick out blacks to do this to. White kids, white adults, other ethnic groups, people have those same mistakes, but they don't they don't get publicized like they do when it's a black. And that's because much of our media is part of that whole narrative, is pushing that whole narrative that we are a racist country that needs fundamental change. So if we look back at the founding of Black Lives Matter, what do you think was the original intent of Garza and Colors and Tamiti when they set out to found this movement? I mean, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, has, has Black Lives Matter kind of been hijacked by this communist movement? Or is it really right there in its founding that it's kind of always had these threads that link it to this really, really progressive, radical left movement? Yeah, no, it, it was an opportunity waiting to happen. And they jumped on that opportunity following the deaths of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. And, you know, once again, the true narrative is totally different. Trayvon Martin was attacking George Zimmerman. He was smashing his head against the ground. Zimmerman was afraid for his life and he shot Trayvon Martin. Now you can argue whether or not a private citizen should be prowling his neighborhood at night armed looking for potential lawbreakers, which Trayvon Martin clearly was in that circumstance, scoping out houses to break into. You could argue that those kind of circumstances might have been avoided if you didn't have that kind of neighborhood watch situation where a guy who wasn't trained in uh, how to deal with confrontation was out there nonetheless But for example, in the case of Michael Brown, Michael Brown was clearly attempting to take the gun from the officer and the officer did what he had to do to defend himself and was within his rights to do. But the whole narrative was flipped upside down. So this was an opportunistic circumstance where these people felt it was time to create this. And they were and are communists all along. And it's very interesting. They work with the Center for Popular Democracy, uh, which is sidled right up to Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And you know who the Center for Popular Democracy is? I don't. It is the new ACORN. Okay. Do you remember ACORN? I do. I do. Well, it is all the same people And uh, ACORN was taken down in 2010 when it was exposed that there was really a shadowy organization of 350, you know, front groups, but it it didn't really go away. It just rebranded itself under different names. And now its main uh, organization is the Center for Popular Democracy, and they work with Black Lives Matter, all these groups work together. It's really huge, frankly. And uh, Freedom Road Socialist Organization, Garza, Colors, and Tometi all worked for Freedom Road Socialist Organization groups. Alicia Garza 
worked for the um, National Domestic Workers Alliance, which is a Freedom Road organization. Colors worked for Dignity and Power Now. She was trained by Eric Mann, who was a former weather underground terrorist. And uh, so these people were communists from the beginning and they saw this situation as an opportunity to exploit the movement. There's so many people that have the Black Lives Matter t-shirt or have attended a march and they genuinely have pure intentions. They want to see racism end in our nation. They want to see whites and blacks treated 100% equally. So, I mean, what what do we say to those people that, you know, they're they're not trying to further a communist movement? No, they they have justice on their heart. And that's certainly not a bad thing. No, no, it's certainly not, except it's based on false premises. Sure, there are instances of racism. There are bad people all around. But I, I reject the entire notion that blacks face systemic racism. We've worked for decades to uh, bring blacks into our communities, into prosperity, and black people who I know agree with me that, you know, the systemic racism is a thing of the past. And as with these cases, you know, there's all kinds of, I, I live near Baltimore, uh, the Baltimore police, uh, you know, they've had a lot of problems. They've had a lot of problems with corruption. They've had a lot of problems with, uh, you know, violence in the inner city. But the inner city is already violent. So you have to take all this thing with some perspective. And the trouble is the media doesn't allow us to do that. Well, and, and why do you think that is? We don't put ourselves in the position of the police making these arrests because we don't have any experience with it. But for example, I know in the case in Baltimore, a few years back, the police on there taking him to the police station, they stopped three separate times to try to be intercepted by an ambulance, which they had called on Freddie Gray's behalf and every single time the ambulance went to the wrong address. And so, you know, these things just don't see the light of day. And honestly, I believe it's because the media, much of the media, not all of it, but much of the media is not only looking for splashy headlines and a lot of attention, many in, in the media are part of this hard left movement because it's a movement that's been growing for a hundred years and the communists recognized early on that the most important way to capture culture is to capture the media, capture Hollywood. I mean, Stalin said, if I could own Hollywood, I could rule the world. And he set out to, uh, to do just that. And I could talk with you for a half an hour about how that was accomplished and the names of the people who accomplished it and the kind of structures they created in the 1930s. Uh, it's not 
all over. It's not throughout Hollywood, but the major part of Hollywood. It's a big reason why conservatives in Hollywood keep their heads down and try not to identify themselves because they will be blacklisted. I mean, the blacklist against conservatives in Hollywood is a thousand times bigger than the blacklist against the Hollywood 10 was in the 1940s uh, through the House Un-American Activities Committee. So, you know, the media has been targeted because the media controls the narrative of our culture. And that's what's happened. And then, of course, uh, over the longer term, our educational institutions have been infiltrated. And that I could also discuss the history of that, how it happened, who brought it to the United States, uh, and how it infiltrated into our universities and our secondary schools, because there are individuals behind it. And, and it's, it's no secret. It's just not a history that 95 or say 99% of the American public is aware of precisely because it's been that kind of information is just not reported. You really have to dig and uh, like, you know, like myself, be a writer, be a researcher, be an author to actually find these things. You've been researching Black Lives Matter for what, five years? Is that right? Well, uh, I wrote that article uh, in, in 2016, and I kept apprised of what they've been doing, as, as well as so many other, I mean, there are so many other issues that I write about and have researched about. Uh, my two books on the red-green axis, I actually have a new one out called the red-green axis 2.0, an existential threat to America and the world you know, that's taken up the majority of my time since 2016 and now. Uh, but I talk on all of these issues. I research all these issues and uh, I've written hundreds of articles on all these various issues. So, and they're all, they all intersect because they're all part and parcel of the same agenda. Uh, a famous radical once said, uh, the issue is never the issue the issue is always the revolution. So you pick any issue that you want and you will find that for the hard left, the issue only matters to them insofar as it can advance their cause. And their cause is to overthrow our country and fundamentally change it and replace it with their communist vision. Mr. Simpson, we really appreciate your time today. I will be sure to uh, to link both of your books in today's show notes so that our, our listeners can keep up with your work. But we just really appreciate you coming on the show and we appreciate your time. Well, Virginia, thanks so much for having me and great to be with you. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear some of the biggest names in American politics speak? Every day, the Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. Webinar topics range from ethics during the COVID-19 pandemic to the CARES Act and the economy. These webinars are free and open to the public. To find the latest webinars and register, visit heritage.org events. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who do you have first? 
In response to Mike Gonzalez's commentary, fact-checking New York Times fact-checker on BLM's China links, John Galt writes, Outstanding. I applaud you for pushing back on the rash censorship masquerading as fact-checking. The first casualty in a Marxist revolution is the truth, and ignorant and fearful people are easily manipulated. And in response to Fred Lucas's piece, Four Key Moments from Trump's Speech on History, Critical Race Theory, Randy and Peggy Malcolm write, Great words from President Trump. The lies and distortions being taught in our schools is grossly inappropriate. We are not perfect, but we are the closest to being so. And the Constitution, which is the greatest document on government ever written in the history of mankind, enables us to keep moving toward a more perfect nation. Thank you, Mr. President. Great, great words. Your letter could be featured on next week's show, so send an email to letters at dailysignal.com. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today about some people that we know quite well, our friends at Heritage Action. Over to you. <laughs> That's right, Rob. Thanks so much. Heritage Action for America, the grassroots arm of the Heritage Foundation, is backing our law enforcement by spreading a simple yet powerful message across America. No police no peace. Heritage Action has put up seven pro-police billboards in New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, and Dallas, Texas, three cities all under a lot of pressure from the defund the police movement. Each billboard features the picture of a police officer and the big bold words, no police, no peace. Jessica Anderson, the president of Heritage Action for America, recently joined Fox News to explain why they are calling all Americans to support our officers. We know, like many millions of Americans across the country, that the only chance this country has for safety and security is with a strong law enforcement. So we wanted to put up these billboards in places like Times Square, Dallas, Atlanta, Georgia, to really send the message that millions of Americans do back the blue, do support law enforcement, and want to encourage our elected officials, our politicians, our pundits, to be strong in their support for law enforcement, to push back against the violence, to push back against the anarchy, and to do in a way that provides safety and security in a meaningful way at the local level. And that's also why the billboards push to our police pledge, which has hundreds of elected officials already on board, committed to not allow any bill, resolution, or movement, which would defund the police. As Jessica Anderson mentioned in that clip, in addition to the billboards, Heritage Action has also created a police pledge, which you can sign to say that you are backing our law enforcement. You can also reach out to your representative to ask them to sign the pledge in support of our police. So far, 20 senators, 167 House representatives, 240 state and local leaders, two governors, and nearly 170,000 American citizens have pledged to support our men and women in law enforcement. To learn more about the pledge and to sign it yourself, you can visit 
heritageaction.com slash please pledge. Virginia, thanks so much for sharing. It's good to see so much enthusiastic support for our police. It really is, Rob. We're very impressed by the work of Heritage Action, and we certainly encourage everyone to take the time to sign that pledge and to ask your member to do the same. That's right. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on the Ricochet Audio Network. All of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.